1: The C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath.
0: Welcome back to the show that brings you the thought and theology of C.S. Lewis. I'm Ruth Jackson, but before I introduce this week's guest, just a quick reminder that there are more shows, articles, and resources on our website, premierunbelievable.com, and we would also love to invite you to be part of our next unbelievable live event, Culture War Questions, with apologist Sean McDowell on Tuesday the 15th of November. Sean's most recent book, A Rebel's Manifesto, is aimed at believers who want to act with grace and speak with truth into polarising issues such as LGBT, pornography, abortion, morality, and more. sean mcdowell and justin brierley will take audience questions on the hot button issues dividing culture and help you learn how to give a reason for your hope with gentleness and respect please join us online from anywhere in the world on tuesday the 15th of november at 8 p.m uk that's 3 p.m eastern and 12 noon pacific register now at www.unbelievable.live it's free to attend but registration is essential www.unbelievable.live Today, I'm joined once again by Trevin Wax, who we spoke to in the previous episode. Trevin is author of numerous books, including his latest, The Thrill of Orthodoxy. We're going to be talking about this new title on our unapologetic podcast, but our focus today is obviously C.S. Lewis. Trevin, you are currently in the UK, partly to speak at the C.S. Lewis conference that we were hearing about last time. But while you're here, you're going to be predominantly based at C.S. Lewis's actual house in Oxford, the Kilns, aren't you? You might actually be sleeping in the very bed that Lewis slept in. Is this something you've done before? I mean, how how does it feel walking about in, in Lewis's shoes, as it were?
1: Well, I, I've never actually stayed at uh, Lewis's house at the Kilns before, but um, I did. I did go on a little bit of a pilgrimage. It was just a a day trip about six years ago. My brother-in-law, who uh, lives in Portsmouth, was getting married, and our whole family was there. And uh, we did spend a day going to a few different places. We we drove by G.K. Chesterton's home and his grave. We. Um, uh, went to Oxford. We had lunch at the Eagle and Child, mm-hmm. which has, I, I believe since is, is temporarily, hopefully temporarily closed, but, um, that's the famous pub where the Inklings yeah. would gather. Um, but we did just on a whim drive up to the kilns and, uh, uh, now you're supposed to have an appointment to, to, to do this. Uh, but we, we drove up to the kilns and I, I, I like, come wife all the way from America.
0: Let me in, let me in.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Even just the outside would have been just fine to yeah. see, but um, we we did walk up to the door, and unbelievably, uh, when we knocked on the door, Douglas Gresham is wow. the one who opened the door and welcomed us in. That was C.S. Yeah. Lewis's stepson, of course, wow. and he was there recording a. They were taking a break from recording something there in the in the main living area, and the warden wasn't there, so we were only there for probably five minutes or so on the uh, the bottom floor of the house. Um, but it was just, it's one of those things where you have to pinch yourself to say, is it, it, could it, did it really happen that we we walked up to the, to the kilns and have Lewis's stepson, uh, welcome us in. But I, I am looking forward to the, uh, um, you know, the opportunity to, uh, um, to be able to visit as well, some of the, the different sites associated with, Mm. with Lewis, um, Harry Lee Poe has a book on the Inklings and has, has marked out some different places around Oxford and, uh, you know, also just getting, getting away to do some reflection and some writing and reading uh, will be enjoyable. I'm meeting with, with several people while, while there. So, uh, um, yes, very much, very much enjoying this amazing opportunity to, to be a scholar in residence uh, at uh, C.S. Lewis's home in Oxford.
0: Well, Trevin, it sounds like we're going to have to reconnect after you've been there. I want to see all the photos. I want to hear all of the insights. I mean, that's going to be such a remarkable experience, isn't it? Such a kind of once in a lifetime, fully immersive C.S. Lewis experience. Um, but but I mean, you told us a little bit in, in the last podcast why you like Lewis so much. But would you share just a little bit about how you got into C.S. Lewis? I mean, how did you come across him initially? Um, yeah.
1: Well, I suppose like many people my age and and younger um I got into C.S. Lewis as a child with the Narnia books. Um I I know I was 7 or 8 years old and had read the the first one, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, and then I I remember reading through them again as a as a teenager. Um and so those those books are like lifelong friends. You know, you they 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 stick with you. They get they get richer the older you get, the more you learn, the more you you grow as a as a as a Christian. Um and so i i I started out with the Narnia books as a as a teenager in high school senior in high school and then in college I remember uh reading some of his apologetics works, so the problem of pain, mere christianity I remember reading miracles, not always understanding all of it you know he's lewis is a little bit of a deeper read for someone who's mm-hmm. who's in uh high school but i he was stretching my mind in 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 certain ways and over time i've just I've just kept reading him i I find him consistently to be insightful. Um, as I mentioned in the previous uh, podcast, he, he's a, a rare combination of intellect and imagination, mm. and so that's very helpful for for me as a writer, for me as a as a preacher and a teacher. Uh, I want I, I I learn not only from what he says but how he says it. Uh, how you, I want to be memorable. Like he is, I want to have analogies and illustrations and examples that will really make the the force of the truths that I'm wanting to share uh to really to 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 bring those home. Uh, and then I would also say many of the people that have most influenced me, Tim Keller would be an example, uh, mm. personally and professionally, they 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 have been directly influenced uh through the work of C.S. Lewis over the years as well. So um I feel like I get Lewis on his own, but then I also get him secondhand. And I, I've gone back beyond Lewis Lewis points to Chesterton for a lot of his insight. And I I have found that Chesterton has become one of my very favorite authors as well. So um, both people that influenced Lewis and then people that Lewis has influenced uh, have been an influence on me.
0: Now, Trevor Lewis is probably one of the most quoted humans on the planet, certainly in the Christian world. But uh, this might be really hard. It might be like asking you to pick your favorite child. But do you have a favorite quotation or text or book of his?
1: Well, you know, I, I go back to multiple things from Lewis. I, I feel like I, I do quote him regularly. But if I had to choose one, I, 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 one of the ones that I've printed out before. So let's say that's one that I liked enough that I printed out is, uh, uh, comes from Mere Christianity. And it's when he says, um, he he's, he's painting a picture of the Christian life in the slow steps to becoming more and more like Christ. And he says, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different than it was before and taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven, that is joy, peace, knowledge, and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment is progressing to the one state or the other. Um, i I go back constantly to that quote, because I, I, I feel like it's one that is important for us to keep in mind about the little decisions that we make every day. Not always the big and massive ones that we think to pray about, but the little decisions as to who, and it puts that question before us, who are we becoming? So that's, that's probably one of my very favorite quotes. It's a little longer than just the, the, the short soundbite quotable, but, um, and then if I were to go back to a book, I would say it would be the screw tape letters. Um, I've, I've read it Three or possibly four times now, and every every time I read it, it's it's like I'm reading a different book because every decade it seems like the the temptations that are recounted there they hit me differently. Mm. And so uh, the screw tape letters I find to be just just marvelous. Uh, um, at, at letting some years pass and then returning to it, it's almost as if I'm reading a new book because different temptations uh, come to you at different stages of life, and, and they and, and so Lewis's insight there hits me differently every time.
0: How different do you think Lewis's context was to where we're at today? Or or, or do you think it was similar? And do you think he faced similar questions, objections to the faith?
1: You know, some of them are are very similar. I think they're more advanced, Mm. quite frankly. Um, Some of the trends that he identified in his his writings have only picked up speed. They've only advanced in society. So one of the big ones would be expressive individualism. The idea that uh, the purpose of life is to look deep inside yourself, to find yourself, to define yourself by your deepest desires, and then to express yourself to the world. Uh, expressive individualism applied to happiness, in particular applied to sexuality. Uh, these, are, these are areas in which Lewis had tremendous foresight in already seeing some of the trends on display in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, which have only picked up speed since then. Um, some other areas where I think Lewis saw uh, and, and still remains very, very relevant is uh, he saw this tendency to relegate Christianity to personal spirituality instead of public truth, uh, as we've spoken about before. Um, he, he saw the, the, the damaging effects in society of, of losing a sense of natural law. Uh, the Tao, you know, a shared basis for objective morality. It's what the abolition of man is about. It's what uh, he writes about in mere Christianity at the beginning. It's also, uh, it's also really illustrated well. And I think that hideous strength, which is, uh, you know, the third of the, what, what gets called the space trilogy. Uh, there are some areas that are different. You know, I, I'm not sure that the, the, the liar, lunatic Lord argument works as well today when there seems to be a fourth option, which is uh, that, you know, the gospels are really the stuff of legend. So if we were to add a fourth L, I think legend would be a good one. And and Lewis does speak to this in some other places, why he doesn't see the gospels as myths and legends, but sees them on a, in, in, a he, he recognizes their historicity mm. uh, when he compares and contrasts them with with, with other, um, uh, with, you know, with myths and legends that, that he was very familiar with. But um, I, I think so, some of his arguments may need a little bit of updating, but for the most part, uh, they do remain very relevant and applicable to our time in the advanced forms of some of the trends he was noticing.
0: In light of the fact that he is clearly still very relevant, do you think there's any particular topics that he wrote about or, or spoke about that you would recommend that we revisit today?
1: You know, I think one of the best places to find some of Lewis's most applicable work is in his essays mm-hmm. and in some of the talks that he gave, um, God in the Dock is a collection of essays. Um, uh, that is, is one that it, so many of those essays are, are very relevant today. Um, Lewis, again, talking about the, 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 the truthfulness of Christianity over against its mere helpfulness. Um, he has a quote in the, in God in the Dock, I think where he says, um, you know he if you're looking for a religion to make you happy uh christianity is not the one he'd recommend you know a bottle of port will do that, he yeah. that <laughs> he's basically saying we need a deeper understanding of happiness mm. and, and and joy really is what he's he's going for and the and the joy that you receive from christianity you receive not because of its overall usefulness or social utility but because of its truth the claims of truth that are at the center of christianity um, i think i think lewis's case for christian morality is still vitally important, vitally important, especially today when it seems like Christian morality is, um, is, is being, is is certainly is unpopular with people in the world, but I think there's a lot of move to adapt or want to alter understandings of Christian morality in some of those places where the, the contrast with the world is so strong. Mm. Um, but, but I, I would also say one of the places to go back to where he, if we were to revisit is just his letters uh, there are many different collections of his letters, but the spiritual counsel that comes out in many of his letters, it's, it's really breathtaking in how well thought out it is, how insightful, uh, how helpful it is in thinking through various things. Uh, the, the spiritual counsel and direction that he gave to the people that wrote him is uh, is really a marvel. Uh, and, and many of those letters were never intended for publication. And some of the most striking things he said come about in, front, in some of those letters. So, uh, again, I, I I I think he's often worth revisiting for for many of these reasons.
0: And as you've mentioned, as we've both mentioned, lots of Orthodox Christians regularly quote C.S. Lewis, but some people have sort of argued in the past that his view of the afterlife is is potentially somewhat controversial. I mean, some have suggested that he's perhaps a little bit liberal in his view of salvation, or maybe that he's advocating for purgatory, or even some have suggested um, that he's perhaps nodding towards universalism. I mean, I don't know what you think about this. Would you say that Lewis is in any way like a heretic in this area? Or do you think that's sort of fairly unfounded?
1: Well, I think um, I, you know Lewis. Lewis is, is, is a literary scholar and an apologist more than a, uh, a what, what we would say would be a serious theologian. So I think we have to take some of what he says and recognize um, the gift that Lewis is um, in in sort of the context in which he is speculating on things. Um it, it's very clear I think from from the last battle of the the Narnia series that Lewis is hinting at a a a, a somewhat inclusivist position which is not universalism. Um in fact I think Lewis uh is more it, Lewis talks about George MacDonald as his great mm-hmm. master, you know. Uh George MacDonald was a universalist. Um and 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 taking that step winds up affecting a lot of other doctrines mm-hmm. and, and truths in, in in the Christian faith. Lewis actually draws back, draws away from McDonald's universalism. Uh, And so if he's pulling in a direction, he's actually pulling toward what I would consider to be the traditional and more orthodox view of, of, uh, of salvation coming through Christ alone. Um, And yet he does still have that, that, that open-ended speculation that perhaps people from other faiths um, will, will in the end be saved. Um, I, I think Lewis is wrong in that inclusivism, um i don't I don't think he's right, but I recognize that he's actually you know he's moving away from a universalist position toward what I would believe to be a more traditional and orthodox position, even if he is wrong there. Um, regarding the the great divorce and some of his his position on purgatory, you know, Lewis is just he's very speculative. um he's not making pronouncements about the afterlife or exactly what he thinks it would be or or what it would be like. and so. I think it's important for us to rec- recognize the speculatory nature of uh, of some of his his writings. And again, this is a little bit of that flip side of one of the things I love most about Lewis is that he he combines the intellect and the imagination. There are times when the imagination uh and his his speculating on all sorts of things can lead him away from what I think is a is a uh, more sound and biblical perspective. Um and so I think it's important for us to take Lewis and to recognize that, you know, he, he got some things really, really right. And he got some things really, really wrong and to be, and to be, you know, okay with that, with that tension, um, to, to recognize, uh, where he is, is, is sound and solid. And then to, to, to receive from him in some of those places where he, he may not be as, as strong to, to receive some of the, the imaginative aspects as they are and to, uh, to to take what's good and to to leave aside what we would would see would be uh, not not up to the biblical standard.
0: Trevor, and I feel like we've got so much more to say about CS Lewis. We're just going to have to invite you back onto the show, especially once you've been to the kilns and slept in Lewis's bed. Um, but, but just as a final question for this episode, and I'm sure there'll be lots more in the future. Do you think there's a particular piece of advice that Lewis would give to the church today? I guess your context is probably quite different from my context here in the UK, but I suppose when I say the church, I mean kind of the global church. What, what would Lewis say to us today, do you think?
1: Well, it seems like today there's a lot of distress in the church. The church is in decline in many parts of the western world. Um, it there there's a lot happening worldwide that is discouraging. We've had the revelation of a lot of corruption in the church. It's hard to know who you know who to trust. Um, at times, you know, something like a fog seems to have settled in on the church. there's there's doctrinal deviations that I think are, are, uh, uh, problematic. And there's a lot in the church that I think we, we would, um, that, that would lead to a sense of sadness and potentially despair or discouragement. When you ask this question, the first thing that pops into mind is, um, a message that comes from Aslan through an albatross in the voyage of the Dawn Treader, where he says, courage, dear heart, courage, dear heart. And she knows it's she knows it's the voice of Jesus. And you know, uh, one of the things Lewis says in Mere Christianity, he says, um, faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. And I think there's a lot in, our, in, our, in the church today that there, there's a, that, that fog and that changing mood, and there's a lot of disappointment and disillusionment. Uh, I, if I could point to one piece of advice that Lewis might give us, I think he would say it would be the advice that would come from the Lord himself. It would be, it would be just that, that, that comment. Courage, dear heart.
0: Thank you for listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with me, Ruth Jackson. You can find out more about our guest for the last two episodes, Trevin Wax, through the links below. Don't forget about our next unbelievable live event, Culture War Questions, with apologist Sean McDowell on Tuesday the 15th of November at 8pm UK, that's 3pm Eastern, 12 noon Pacific. Register now at www.unbelievable.live. It's free to attend, but registration is essential. That's www.unbelievable.live. You can also visit the Premier Unbelievable website where there are lots of great articles and podcasts. That's premierunbelievable.com. Thank you for listening and see you next time where we'll be speaking to an author who has written a modern take on the Screwtape Letters.